0: So, Welcome back to another episode of Navigating Justice, the podcast where Oklahomans for Criminal Justice Reforms ambassadors who are formerly incarcerated individuals share their experiences, their insights and lessons to educate and inspire for a more equitable Oklahoma. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Olson, and I am additionally the host for our other podcast, Oklahoma Odyssey. And in this special episode of Navigating Justice, um, we're shining a spotlight on ADHD Awareness Month and its connection to the school-to-prison pipeline and ultimately the criminal legal system. So we'll explore the challenges faced by students who are being introduced to the criminal legal system at a young age and how this introduction affects both the individuals and our society as a whole. So as we kick off ADHD, Awareness Month, it's crucial to acknowledge the struggles of the millions of children within the United States who have been diagnosed with ADHD. But this month is not only about celebrating their achievements, but also about recognizing the ongoing challenges they face. One of these challenges is the disproportionate impact of ways in which we punish historically marginalized communities in schools. So to delve deeper into this, into this issue. We're joined by two of our ambassadors who will introduce themselves.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Mutes. And uh, like Michael said, we're here to have a conversation today about the ongoing situation with ADHD in the prison pipeline. Thank you.
2: And my name is Brenda and I'm here as well.
0: Thank you both for being here. Um, So let's start uh, by touching on the nature of the problem. Undiagnosed ADHD within marginalized communities can cause behavioral issues in the classroom, which in turn can lead to early contact with the criminal legal system. So for example, white children have been diagnosed with ADHD at a rate of 7% of the population, while African American children are diagnosed at a rate of 3%. So I guess uh, one of the First questions I have for you all is how does the cultural competency of the school authority figures play into a stat like that?
1: Well, from my point of view, uh, Michael, I feel like that um, it's just that in marginalized communities, most kids don't have the uh, access to the type of uh, mental health experts that they need to give them that diagnosis, first of all. And um a lot of the educators in, in their schools are, are not going to really put an emphasis on trying to get that for them because they know it's probably a little bit outside of their reach at home. So that that's one major key, I feel like, why why, you know, those statistics look the way they do. And but um, from my experience, um sometimes it's easier for the diagnosis to be put on some children than others, you know, um and it may, it may seem like, um, that the number is lower, but from my, from my standpoint and my experience, um, I I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid and so were my children. So I feel like, um, it would be easy, you know, to continue the trend if, if, you know, if that was something that, that happened in your household or part of your, you know, your culture, I just, you know, don't understand or really would like to, Um, have a better understanding on how other people feel about it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It seems like um, the teaching profession is predominantly of white individuals, mostly women, um, and they're significantly less diverse than the students that they're teaching, and that can cause um, some problems. Um, I saw one study that showed that African-American families have a much more direct uh, method of communica- communication compared to white families and that white teachers sometimes have um, trouble uh, or, or have a fear around um, talking about an African-American's child's like, behavioral issues to an African-American parent because of that disconnect in communication style. So there's just a sort of cultural competency, I think, that is important that goes into play with this.
1: Yeah, Michael. And when when you say that, it also makes me think about um, how parenting, you know, some, not to throw a blow at anyone, but some parents use, you know, can use medication as a a form of parenting and um, don't really want to do the job that it takes to, to, you know, to raise a healthy children. And um, I, I, I just would um, hope that, that we can start putting emphasis on just growing as a whole in this community and, and, and making more mental health in my community, a a, a more of a, you know, profound thing, a more of a, a normal thing because, uh, a lot of times, you know, I could understand why a teacher wouldn't want to come to someone in certain communities and have that conversation. That's a tough conversation to have as far as if it's something that you, they may not believe in, or like I stated before, um, necessarily have access to. So um, for me, though, and with my children I, uh, and for myself, I try to um, find more productive things to keep them occupied, you know, uh, as far as intellectually and in, in, uh, in being more stimulated um, and being uh, more, you know, challenged in, in, in everyday life and adding, making sure they have activities outside of education that keeps them occupied. Other than video games or tablets and TV, you know, exercise, sports, that those things are, are super important. Um, I know that um, some budgets have been cut across the, um, the area I live in, where some it's hard for you know some of the school districts to keep the money they need to in order for the you know the school programs and the after school activities to continue to be prevalent. But that's that's really what we need more of. But it also has to come from the house, Michael. Brenda, I would be in, surely interested to see how you feel about the topic, ma'am.
2: So, yeah, I just want to ping off of Ryan. Um, a Ryan about the funding part. A lot of schools, you know, they don't want to get down to, you know, what's really going on uh, because of the lack of funding. My son, he is uh, he has been diagnosed with ADHD. And I feel like him having a ADHD kind of holds him back from just regular courses um, in school. And then they also have to be on an IEP. And then within that IEP, there's there's other things that hold him back from being in regular classes. And then so now they have he has all this time and starting to get into trouble. And so I think sometimes a diagnosis is. They want to just put the diagnosis on a kid who just is learning differently.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's where the cultural perceptions of behavior come in uh, to an extent. Um, Obviously, different people have different views of how children should act. And sometimes um, schools tend to take the approach that every child should act in the same way. Um, and that doesn't really bear out in practice when you look at children.
1: Yeah, most definitely. But I also have to to put a, a for me, I, I have to correlate the two. You know, the topic is ADHD and also prison the pipeline. Yeah. Um, a misdiagnosis could be one of the main things that can end a child straight to prison. You know, like you said, if, 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 if he's not challenged, um, a lot of times for me, I don't yeah. feel like I try, I try to get my kids to understand that just because someone puts a stigma and a label on you, does not necessarily mean that's all the way who you are. Um, because if, if that becomes an emphasis or it it, it can debilitate you and, and stunt your growth as a, as a young child, where you put a lot of emphasis on feeling like that's who you are when, and when you should be putting more emphasis on, on challenging yourself or, and being able to facilitate growth and figuring out ways, figuring out how your learning style, you know, what, 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 what what suits you as a learning style, things that are going to make you, um, think outside of that box as being paid as an ADHD person because it could easily uh lead you down the, the the negative path. For me, it led to wanting to, you know, uh experiment in drugs and, and seeing how uh I can make a profit off of it. And I and I really do feel like it's because no one challenged me in any other way. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that that someone presented to me as a challenge at that time on my young brain was still developing and it was raw. And I really didn't know any different. The only thing that piqued my interest and challenged me at that time was being able to take a product and see if I could make money out of it. Little did I know at that time, I could have been taking a, a different product and and, and selling it and, 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 and getting the same outcome where it wouldn't have been a negative thing. So at the same time, it, it's real. It's, it's a real correlation between the two because, mm. um, if you don't challenge one who is who's given that stigma or if they're never pushed to be challenged, it's gonna easily put them in a, in a in a box of a child that that's um that's troubled, um, you know, that has learning disabilities. And those things can lead to a negative conversation that continue and follow them throughout a lifetime. And if no one ever gives them the strength, the courage, courage or knowledge and wisdom. And educate them in order for them to have the, um, the you know the knowledge and 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 just be uh and be uh, smart enough to overcome these things. They're always going to be stuck in that that situation and painted in that stigma.
2: Yeah, sometimes I sometimes I can totally get with that. Sometimes I I can remember uh, being in school and um, you know instead of being redirected. Um and trying to be helped, um I was given, you know, um, you know, three chances, you know, if you will. And once those three chances were done, then, you know, I was um you know, asked to leave the school. um you know, and ultimately resulted in me doing other things outside of that. If I wasn't there, I was doing something else. So I can see where um having, you know, these learning difficulties, uh, having that stress at school um, with ADHD um, and then not being challenged, as you said, um, you know, they're going to get bored in those classrooms and then they're going to start, you know, uh, you know, skipping those classes. And then, you know, it just it just keeps going from there.
0: Yeah, it seems yeah. like schools, at least statistically, are sort of throwing up their hands um, mm-hmm. and just- taking kids out of school completely. Uh, I saw one study that the amount of students who have had an out-of-school suspension has almost doubled since 1974. So it seems like schools are increasingly relying on harsh punishments um, when dealing with uh, these kind of behavioral issues.
2: Right. And sometimes, you know, these aren't always violent and or large-scale incidents you know, the majority of offenses for which students are suspended appear to be nonviolent. Some are violent, uh, minor to moderate infractions, uh, you know, such as disobedience and uh, disrespect, for sure.
1: Yeah. As as we're having this conversation, a huge part of me as a parent myself now um, has a, a um, once again, a huge correlation on what the education system is starting to look like now. And for me, uh, it puts me um it puts me in an awkward precarious um, place as a parent because um if you look at the way that the education system is is leaning towards here in Oklahoma if you don't have the money up front initially to uh, put your kids in private school which now they'll give you a credit at the end of the year back on your on your taxes if you do um, put your kids in private school that that actual number is uh $7,500 and I know because I was at a thing where governor Stent said that it's himself today but um at the same time they're taking our taxpayer money and they're and they're building up these private schools and they're be- being able to put um public equity into private um schools and higher education um at a uh at an earlier stage for our children and part of me you know likes that but a part of me um is wondering about the parent that don't have that means, you know, they don't, even if they have the money, they might not even know how to enroll them, their kid in a private school. They may not be comfortable because they may not have graduated or finished school themselves. They may not even have a GED. So, um, there's, there's a lot of conversations that could be had around this whole thing because it's a, uh, it's a bigger picture for me. Um, we can also continue to talk about how the the communities that some of these kids come out of, no matter if they're black, white, Asian, or what, are marginalized um, and continue to be, and continuously to be marginalized by um, some legislation and laws that continue to be put in place. So it could be a long, deep, depth conversation, but um, I I do know one thing that um, a a lot of the education that that I feel like that I was um, raised in a, a huge part of my education growing up being in a public school did not suit me uh, as the type of learner that I was, and um, it, it it just you know it, it played a huge effect in my life, and um, yeah, so um, like I said, it can with the con- conversation just can continue on and on. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think for me, I think the labeling uh, labelings. It's kind of like identifying them and then, um, you know, being labeled like as a bad kid, you know, and then being treated uh, to fit that role like that. I feel like that also plays a part because that to me, I feel like that pushes them out. You know, they don't they've already done this. You know, they already think that they know what the the end result is going to be. And so that kind of pushes them out as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a great, great point, because there's a really strong connection between people that have faced some sort of either expulsion or out of school suspension and then future contact um, in the incarceral system. So it's really like we're branding these um, individuals as children. And then later (laughs) in life, they still have that branding and they're put into an incarceral setting instead.
1: Right, right. And um. It, it, it that branding starts <clears throat> you can uh, you know and i know you understand this michael and i know you also brenda is it, it it can start as you know as soon as the the day they're born the home they go to if you're born in a certain area and you have to go to that public school someone is gonna automatically um that maybe live in a suburb or live, live in a rural area automatically have a stigma of you just because you go to that school. And for instance, I deal with this um, on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, dealing with my son that goes to Dell City High School here in the Oklahoma City metro area. And when we travel to uh, certain rural areas, I won't say any names or towns um, in particular, you know, they fly American flags. And I have to continuously ask myself, and I've never asked anyone else this question out loud, but I wonder, too, do they realize that we're Americans, too? Like, do you need to fly an American flag or wear so many American flags? I wonder, do you do that when the town next to you comes? So it it, gets, it, it starts to, uh, at a, the moment a person is born. Um, they, these labels and these stigmas are placed upon us, you know. And um, and I will say this in a lot of the recordings that we do. And for me, it's a, it's a straight correlation to remembering every person I come across as a human being, no matter where they come from. No matter what religion they believe in, no matter what clothes they wear, no matter who they love, no matter how they love, we're all still human beings. And we really, really, really all should have the diligence and the due right to be who we were, you know, our our given birthright is to be who we want to be. And, um, you know, so if we stop putting labels on people and just look at them as, you know, the beautiful human beings that we all are. I think it may be a little easier for um, the next generation growing up. You know, um, we, we have to start speaking more peacefully about each other, seeing the good in each other um, and stop labeling each other. Stop pointing fingers um, and come together and continue to have these conversations that's going to move the needle forward and make us all better, you know, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Somebody that um an individual that has these kind of um problems in school um and then later we um force them into the criminal legal system. They don't need the punishment really. Like I mean, we just heard that Ryan himself was diagnosed, uh, Brenda's um <clears throat> offspring was um diagnosed as well. These aren't these aren't people that need uh punishment. That rather they need support and that's um the opposite of what they're getting at a lot of these schools it seems like
1: most definitely um and and that's why we do this work though is to continue to spread a light on <clears throat> on on the the injust, but also look forward and and keep in mind that, that it's going to take conversations like this and and, and, and people in a community to help these youth, because I remember growing up and and my elders always telling me it takes a village. And um, I, I said this um, yesterday when I was recording from the, my other job is that um, if, if you look at a young person or you look at someone um, up under you or younger than you or in a different generation or um, different situation and you say to yourself, well, you know, they're doing something wrong or I don't agree with, um, the way they do things for me, I have to ask myself, do I play a part in that? Like, you know, as a society, the things we put out, the things we speak out, you know, these kids pick them up. So, um, if, if you're upset about the things that you see that you don't like, maybe you should take a look in the mirror, you know, cause I do. And I'm not just saying that to point a finger at anyone. This is how I look at it. Like, can I be too upset for, the things that my children do or the, the the kids around me, if I'm not, if I haven't always, which I haven't always did, what I have been surely making the emphasis to do now is to walk every day and make sure that I'm a better role model for them, you know, and uh, and that's the only way that I see anything changing, no matter what label um, they've been put in, no matter what school they came out of, or go-to or gonna graduate from, even if they have been, diagnosed with ADHD and sent to prison later on in their life um, without us teaching each other how to be better people and and teaching our youth how to move forward. um, We're just going to continue to see these numbers spike and these situations occur. Uh,
2: I just want to to kind of interject as well, like also, um, you know, all of these um, negative connotations that are that we you know we're exposed to can definitely affect you know um our mental you know mental health you know and that just adds to it you know it's like that hopelessness um work with this and you know those are all can all be effects of that as well
1: yeah it's um it, it, it was kind of like uh my grandfather always used to tell me and it go along with what i've been saying this whole conversation as well as it You know, we speak life and death with the tongue and um, and something that I something that I heard a real famous person say uh, recently. I'm not going to name drop when I was at a concert is the uh, transfer of energy is so real and I never really realized how much that affected me. And it kind of, like I said, just goes along with the whole um, conversation we're having. If you put a label on someone, it's going to be real easy for them to live up to that label. And, um, you know, I just feel like ADHD is one of those things that we, that a label has been put on people that learn differently that, um, that the, um, you know, our education system that we live under today, um, just doesn't see fit to and don't want to really take the time to make it fit for them. And maybe, you know, that's a route for alternative learners, um, and sometimes we have to take that, that route. Um, I have a GED and, and part of the, um, probably part of the main reason I have a GED is just because of that, you know, the stigmas and labels that were put on me, um, you know, personally, um, I'm a product of, of, of those two things. Like I've, like I've said, um, so I'm a direct, really a direct correlation to the whole conversation we're having. And now I live, um, in a moment in my life to where I'm doing everything I can to prevent my children from ending up in that conversation and having to experience those things. And um, I just want to thank you guys for being part of the conversation and being part of, of the uplifting um, journey that is going to take in order for that to happen. Um, it's These conversations are not only going to help me be a better person, a better parent, but it's going to help, you know, someone else that'll be able to listen and to know that, you know, you're not in this fight, in this in this struggle, uh, uh, in this war, in this battle alone. Like, you have a lot of advocates and warriors out here pulling for you, and and, and we're going to be here um, pulling for you until we can't anymore.
2: Yeah, advocating for yourself is um, would be super helpful. Um, going to um, the schools and, you know, just reaching out to them, I feel like would be super beneficial as well, because we got to, we really got to like put ourselves in there, you know. If we really want to make a change, we need to, you know, speak on, you know, what we, uh, what we feel and what we're seeing and what's, you know, the facts of it.
1: Yes, ma'am. Not only your, uh, your, your schools, but also get to the capital, get to your local city council uh, person, right. and woman. Judges have these conversations, you know, and, and let them know how you really feel about it. That that's another huge way to, to make a change is, uh, you know, um, empathy is real. And um, if if someone understands your conversation, um, you know, understands your story inside of a conversation, then, then it may open their eyes to realize, you know, that, that maybe they had to make a, a, a better or a different decision on the choice they're going to make in their life, whatever that choice or decision may be.
0: Yeah, that's beautifully put. Um, they, I know, um, sometimes people get in the thought process, like the thought trap that like, Oh, because of my experiences, like I can't use my voice. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's really, you should use your voice because you have a unique perspective that is really only your own. And so, um, it's really um, imperative that you use your voice for what you uh, feel is the correct course of
1: action. Yeah, Michael, that, that, that's always huge for me. Sometimes I may use my voice a little too much and a little too loudly, (laughs) but I'm, I'm learning to pick my shots. So um, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to us tonight. And I hope y'all all enjoyed the conversation
0: um, so, yeah, my closing thoughts are as we um, co- commemorate this ADHD Awareness Month, um, we need to remember that supporting students, especially those who are facing these kind of disproportionate punishments that we've been talking about this episode, um, not only by the education system, but eventually the criminal justice system, is that it's not just about statistics, it's really about justice and creating opportunities for everyone. So, I want to thank you both for. Um, using your voice and uh, being a part of this conversation, um, I'll pass it over to Brenda for her final thoughts.
2: Oh yeah, uh, thank you guys for having this conversation with me. Um, I feel like it's my duty as a parent to be in, involved in how your what how your children are responding uh, to to things. And it's, it's difficult when, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that are against them. So I think having that supportive system, uh, and reaching out and using that voice is definitely uh, detrimental.
0: So, um, I want to remind everyone to remember to subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with others who are passionate about making a difference. Um, so until next time, keep the conversations alive and the change thriving. Thank you, everybody.